Hey everyone, we're back and I'm happy to say that I have Ronit Pitale with me and you know what that means. It's the UFC and Conor McGregor is back more importantly and uh, we're going to be covering UFC 257, Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor part 2. Uh, Ronit, now before we actually get into all the fights, let's run through all the fights that are actually there in the main card that we will be covering once again. So... Obviously, apart from uh, the fact that Poirier and McGregor are going to be going at it once again, we also have uh, other lightweight fights. So this time, all the men's fights are lightweight fights. So we'll be covering, uh, obviously, Poirier and McGregor, then Dan Hooker and Michael Chandler. I know for a fact that you are a big fan of Dan Hooker. You think he's one of the best talents in the lightweight division currently. Then we have the women's flyweight between Jessica and Joanne Calderwood. Now, that's also going to be fun. Uh, we all know what Jojo was meant to have played Valentina uh, Shevchenko. But sadly, uh, she uh, Valentina had a knee injury, I believe, at that point in time. Yeah. The then uh, we also have the lightweights, Matt Frivola and Otman Aizatar. Now, uh, the less said about that one, the better, I feel. Uh, but we'll get into that a little bit later on. And finally, we have the women's strawweight. Now, I'm actually looking forward to this because it's two Brazilians going at it. So, Marita Rodriguez facing off against my favorite, Amanda Ribas. So, okay, let's kick it off, Ron. Firstly, how are you doing? And secondly, how excited are you that the UFC is off with a bang uh, in the new year? We all saw what happened today with Max Holloway and Calvin Cater. What was that? How many shots did he have? How many significant strikes did Max have? Some 447 or something. Yeah, they tweeted out something crazy. <laughs> it was some crazy number. It was definitely 300 plus, I think. Crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. And not only him, even Calvin kept up, which was quite surprising. Mm -hmm. I honestly thought that Max would have finished him off probably in the third or fourth. But he kept yeah. at it, and we saw that when he played Dan, uh, fought against Dan Hooker as well with uh, Calvin, that he can actually keep up, and stamina doesn't seem to be a problem. Of course, we all know Max's stamina; he can go for, on for days, probably. So, um, true, true. also yeah. there's Neil Magny, who's back against in action against Michael Chiesa. Uh, any mm -hmm. prediction on that one? Um. I think Kiesa has actually moved up a weight class now. He was at 155 before. He was dehydrating, killing himself, literally to make that weight. I think he'll come afresh at 170. I think he's had one fight. He beat Carlos Condit, uh, who won today, actually. But yeah. uh, but I also feel Magni is underrated on this one. Uh, if I have to pick, uh, I think I'm going to go Magni. Wow. Uh, I'm actually... Yeah, I think you're right. I never thought about the weight cutting and all of that. So now that he's moved up one, maybe it'll still take him some time to get accustomed to it. But Magni fought well in his last fight and he came back after so long as well. So he I'm also a little biased. I think I feel Magni is really underrated. So I mean that's just some bias over there for me. But yeah. Sure. Okay. Now enough of what happened and what's coming up. We need to focus on the main fight and probably what could potentially be the fight of the year already. Poirier, the diamond against the one, the only, yeah. notorious. So, God. let's get right into it. Firstly, uh, I'll just pull up the tale of the tape. Now, yeah. of course, Poirier is 
well just turned 32 uh mm-hmm. and corner we all know so we share our birthday so he's going to turn 33 in july now mm-hmm. they fought back in 2014 i believe if i'm not wrong and of course that was a first round knockout win for corner mcgregor but mm-hmm. poirier has changed two folds three fold maybe even and uh, ever since he lost to michael johnson he's gone on a tear barring khabib being the one block in his path but he blocks everyone doesn't he so what's okay. your take on this fight uh, mcgregor's coming in as a hot favorite minus 300 which is quite shocking if i'm a betting man i'm definitely going in for poirier so what's your take on uh, this fight ron i know there's like you love these two fighters both of them are one of your top fighters and we all love the lightweight division so True. where do you see this fight heading yeah so i think uh, like you already mentioned they fought before and i think people are giving an undue amount of weight to that last fight uh, conor mcgregor has also evolved decent bounds there's no denying that but you're not talking about the same dustin poirier this is a different animal altogether i mean the the odds are crazy i mean like you said if i was a betting man i would definitely definitely double down on the diamond the odds are fantastic that's not my prediction i'm just saying if i were an odds man that that's where i would go now uh, the way i look at this fight is okay a couple of things one i think um, the increase that that fight was at 145 this one is at 155 uh i think uh it it actually to a certain extent is good for both of these guys because i think both of them were sort of sucking themselves down to make 145 i mean we absolutely saw corner was like a walking corpse at 145 and dustin is a big guy he's not small either like he fits into that 59 59 and a half frame but he fills it out really well you know he's not somebody who is a uh, uh I would say he is the right size lightweight. You know, he fits in there perfectly. Uh, the same applies for Connor as well. So I think one Dustin comes in with a better chin than last time. He definitely comes in with a better chin. I don't think it's going to be a one-trick pony where Connor catches him with the left and he can end it like last time. Uh, the second thing is I feel you're dealing with a Poirier that's a lot more mature, who's been in wars, who's been. I mean. just his last couple of fights the fights against uh, i mean i'm, I'm going to discount yeah. habib because you know you can't talk about that but just look at his fight against uh, the Dan hangman was the last one. Yeah. yeah just look at his fights against eddie alvarez i mean he smoked these people these are elite elite competition fighters you're talking about and he's evolved day and night so i feel corner is not dealing with the same guy and that's that's something i'm sure he's intelligent enough he knows that uh dustin is not dealing with the same guy as well either the only thing is we don't know how dustin would have dealt with corner then because that fight really didn't go too long we didn't get to see it really play out we got like a premature i would say it's a premature stoppage a pretty quick stoppage he was out but i feel that this time it's it's going to be something different it's uh, going to be definitely more long drawn out i don't think it's going to be a one and done and i hope against all odds that this time poria is not drawn into a war because i feel that that could be his kryptonite he could get caught and that something that could you know spell the night out for him but uh, he needs to fight a smart fight is what i feel 
he should not get dragged into that stand up battle with corner he has a fantastic ground game i mean the diamond is brilliant on the ground highly underrated i mean just if he goes there he will put corner in a tough spot i want to see a good mixed martial arts contest which ronit actually brings me to one point and i'm glad you brought it up right at the end was that dustin has a very good ground game now the difference over there you'll see it as well i mean he does have he has submitted a lot of fighters not a lot but like he's got a, what 24% of his fights he's won by submission and we all know that is one thing which corner does not enjoy is ground battles because and i'm not i'm not saying that because of the khabib fight nate diaz again is a much bigger guy so i don't even want to discount that but it's just not the same if you bring corner onto the ground for sure and with the striking ability that dustin has a ground and pound is something that he can definitely leverage against corner so i'm interested to see if you uh, if dustin actually takes the fight to the ground and tries to take the submission approach against corner but ron again we've always said this and we've always discussed this corner historically has not been a guy who fights every year right um mm. he didn't fight in 2019 he didn't fight in 2017 he didn't uh, before that yes he had three fights in 2015 and i believe a couple in 2016 but the point is he just comes back and he's always ready and he's you never know what to expect but what you but i think this time he does look much more ready than he was against khabib he was going through a lot at that time as well he was doing the wrong things this time he stayed away from all the social media and even dana white in his interview said it right that he seen both conor mcgregors and he sees the real conor mcgregor now yeah just to speak a little more to that i mean uh, one thing also you would like to consider about conor is this time there is no psychological warfare you know uh, i i was just thinking you know some of the guys conor's put away are easily okay i, I won't say easily i'd say conor mcgregor's ground game his wrestling defense is definitely something that's underrated uh there is, even in the diaz fight i mean he basically he got tired out he shot the shot made diaz stop when he took his back pounded him choked him habib you that you can't if habib takes you down that doesn't mean you're a bad wrestler that doesn't mean anything you can't judge your wrestling credentials chad mendes took corner down kept him down for a couple of rounds got tired Eddie Alvarez got drawn into a slugfest with Conor, and that's where he got hit. Poirier, the first time, got drawn into that same psychological warfare with Conor. Refused to go to the ground, chose to stand up with him, got hit, got finished. I feel this time, Conor is not bringing that psychological warfare. He's not trying to draw the guy out. He's not trying to pull Jose Aldo for that matter. Aldo had the ability to take Conor down and submit him. He came out swinging, mad, threw one punch. That's it. Lights out. Without that psychological warfare, is it going to be that easy to draw Dustin Poirier out into standing with Conor? If Conor is unable to have Dustin Poirier commit to a stand-up battle, I feel it's going to be a really long night. And without actually coaxing or without actually you know antagonizing Dustin to stand up, I mean, see, Dustin doesn't need that little bit of a break. He's a dog. He wants to get into fights. He gets into wars for God knows what reason. He can do it, you know, conservatively. That's the kind of guy he is. He likes to take the fight to you. He likes to bring the fight every time. My only apprehension is he just shouldn't get drawn out. And if Conor can fail that draw out, 
I feel it does base slightly in Poirier's favor. I don't know. I'll I'll admit I have a bias towards Conor. So yeah. and and that's more more so because I don't know. Like we never know what he can bring to the table. And True. and more often than not, he's always proven his critics wrong. He always gets the job done. And mm. he's and like you said, Ron. Like mm. I know it's a thing about him getting into the other person's head and then. forcing them to attack him so that he then is a basically a count, like more like a counter puncher and then he just knows his reach so then yeah. that's what he's very good at and that's yeah. what he leverages in his fights so yeah. i'm actually interested to see how he goes with it okay. but again he if you just see the average fight times as well and you look at it of course uh, like you said uh, dustin's been at it in terms of like long fights and marathon fights recently so he definitely has that but conor never has needed that historically as well so right yeah that left hook um, is still i think going to be something that dustin needs to really watch out for right definitely i mean see there's there is no debating the fact that these two individuals are extremely skilled at the highest level and if it's just a skill for skill match god knows if you just go up to a draw like if that's how that's how closely i think the two of them are matched in terms of skill i feel like poria see there's no secret as to what conor mcgregor's part to victory is you keep keeps it standing he outboxes you he outstrikes you he knocks you out i feel the mistake eddie alvarez made in the conor mcgregor fight is that he first started with a stand up fight he lost the stand up fight and then he was tired and then he was thinking of shooting i don't want dustin to do the same thing dustin if he has to take it to the ground he should take it to the ground quick he should do it when they're dry he should do it when he has energy because you come sloppy against conor mcgregor if you're tired you shoot him for a takedown he's going to hit you with that left he's going to hit you with that uppercut and it's lights out if dustin has to come in he has to make it a ground fight he has to do it early a uh, one thing that i noticed when i was looking at the odds which was really surprising is that uh, conor mcgregor is the person overwhelming favorite i was looking at the round odds so conor mcgregor is a favorite to win it in round 1 2 3 4 and 5 but if it goes the distance dustin poirier is the favorite oh right okay i understand yeah yeah and that uh, makes complete sense initial. yeah 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 that makes complete sense yeah. which is which is why people are betting and betting for the fact that if this goes the distance then dustin takes it and if conor wins it he has to finish dustin yeah and i think that that i think that's going to be true because i think firstly match practice is huge i don't care you are if you are conor mcgregor or john jones also for that matter if you are going up against a, an elite fighter and that to someone who has consistently won also and he's always improving like someone like a dustin poirier you're going to have a hard time and there's no way if you're going the distance that he, you are going to outbox someone like a dustin poirier or outstrike for that matter and and i like i like poirier's game because it's very compact he stays within his range he knows what he's doing most times he very rarely loses his head yeah. and the dan hooker fight was when i was like okay he is now proven to be the real deal there's not too many people who can actually match up to uh, the diamond at the moment anyway yeah. this was just a small glimpse of what's in store for ufc 257 uh, 
Ronit, let's move ahead to the next big fight. Hey, are you like us and trying to make your own podcast but aren't really sure where to get started? Well, when we first began, we didn't really know how to get our podcast out there to the hundreds of different podcast platforms. That's where Anchor comes in. Anchor is your one-stop shop for all things podcasting from start to finish. It allows you to record and edit your podcast and then when you're ready to publish, distributes it to a ton of podcasting platforms including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Once you've posted your episode, Anchor tracks listening across platforms and graphs your performance across countries, age groups and platforms. That's how we know that 4% of our listeners are in Hong Kong. If you're listening from Hong Kong right now, well, thank you. And Anchor is totally free. To get started, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's a n c h o r.fm to get started. Now back to the pod. Which is Dan Hooker and Michael Chandler. So the hangman and he's going up against Michael Chandler who going to be facing off in his first UFC fight and imagine to have an opponent like Dan Hooker I, I, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't be too pleased if I was Michael Chandler what's your take uh a couple of things uh Michael Chandler like you said it's going to be his first fight in the UFC and you're going to go up against an absolute killer in the hangman I mean an absolute killer uh UFC lights are a real thing I mean say what you want there have been fighters that have been touted through the roof there's been Ben Askren there's been Will Brooks they've all come over from different organizations they come to the UFC they see those bright lights and they just aren't able to pull the trigger now whether that is a true testament to the skill gap between the UFC and the other organizations or whether it's true that those UFC jitters are very real and once they hit you it's pretty difficult to recover from them i am not sure of that being said they have you have cases on the other hand you have the king of the underground Eddie Alvarez he came straight in from Bellator became a champion he had a breaking even period as well though he struggled in the beginning uh with Chandler he's 34 this is his um to a very large extent i'll say his final years in what would be his peak is what i would call them he has this in the next couple of years to basically make a title run go for a title and giving him dan hooker is no joke in his first match it's it's just dan hooker's striking is on a level and he got outstruck by foria let's not forget that but dan hooker's striking is on a level the way he digs to the body with those hooks his combinations his timing his footwork he has it all tied down i'd say chandler more of a holistic fighter he has the wrestling he can definitely go there he's had good fights in the past it's not that he hasn't he's fought Eddie Alvarez himself and i think he's beaten Eddie Alvarez if i'm not wrong but uh it's going to be a pure striker versus a mixed martial artist i don't feel if it remains standing the entire time michael chandler will be able to hang with the hangman i do feel he will have to mix it up will have to throw in a little bit of wrestling and again not get drawn out in a war with the hangman because that's not going to go his way when you pull out uh, the tail of the tape ron and you have a look at it you see the reach advantage for dan hooker and that's another big big worrying sign so that's why like if it stays on it if the if if if, if it just becomes a boxing fight or a striking match up and i don't see any chance for chandler to be able to do anything 
Now you look at the odds also, but I'm surprised that these odds are worse than the Poirier and Connor odds. So some it just gets me wondering, like, is that how highly Chandler is rated by because of his performance in the Bellator? Of course, he was a Bellator champion and uh, stuff like that. So yeah, it's just puzzling a bit. You can't overlook Michael Chandler, but I also feel you can't underrate Dan Hooker. So. I mean, see Chandler in his own right. Uh, if you are a mixed martial arts fan, if you have been following the sport for a while, you know who Michael Chandler is, and you know he has been due for the UFC for a while now. He says for him, this is the perfect timing in his life. He said that I would not like to have done it at any other time. Where I was in Bellator, when I was in other organizations at that particular point in time, it made sense for me to be there. And I feel right. And if I had come to the UFC at any other point in time, I don't think I would have been able to perform. But I am here at just the right time in my career. He has that confidence. He has that skill set. He's a fantastic wrestler. Good on the ground. Very good stand up. Now, not taking anything away from his stand up as well. For all you know, he might catch Dan Hooker and end his night. But you, you can't bet against that. Uh, he he does deserve every ounce of respect he's getting. Is what I feel. And Hey, that's probably what your odds are showing. Fair enough. Uh, the only thing with Michael Chandler for me is Ron. He, I feel like he's very un- unlucky to be going up against someone of the level of Dan Hooker. And Dan Hooker has fought uh, a lot mm-hmm. of fights in the recent past, so he has that UFC match experience more than anything. So mm-hmm. I feel like he's. It's a bit unfair to judge Chandler based on this fight. No matter, of course, if he wins, then nothing like it. But if he loses, then it's going to be uh, quite... Everyone will be wondering whether he was ready or not. And I think just that's just unfair to be questioning his skill level because he's definitely, like you said, a top fighter. Yeah. But I'll tell you what's better. He was the backup fighter for Habib and Poirier, <laughs> which is crazy, right? Which is the UFC thought he was ready to be straight away thrown into a title shot. And I mean, obviously, uh, I'd say deserves a lot more. I'm sure people are giving him the respect that he deserves and so do the odds, so are the odds makers. But I feel, yeah, he's he's earned every bit of it and uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he takes it away from Dan. So, yeah. Fantastic. Alright, so let's move on to our third fight. Now, Ronit, I know you have a strong opinion on this one. So, it's Jessica I against oh. Jojo Calderwood. Now, yeah. <laughs> So now I'll just pull up the tail of the tape to help, to just give everyone a perspective of what we are looking at here. Now, both of the fighters are quite experienced and pretty much veterans in the UFC. Uh, they match up almost the same. Their height is literally nearly equal. Their reach, um, Jessica has a small 1.2 centimeter advantage, which is pr- practically nothing. Yeah. But uh, you just look at the recent past of both the fighters. So what's your take on this fight getting into it? Yeah, so I'm not personally a very big fan of Jessica I's fighting style. Uh, I I think she's more of a point fighter, someone who tries to draw out the decision. And uh, I won't say it's a knock on her ability or her mentality or anything of that sort. But I just feel different fighters have different styles. And that's her style of fighting. Uh, not very fan friendly again. She has 
Um, that doesn't mean it's not worked for her. She's gone all the way up to Valentina Shevchenko, who is the bullet, and there's no escaping that bullet. But she got knocked out over there. She did make it all the way to a title shot, though. Uh, Joanne Kalur, on the other hand, big fan of her fighting style. She goes out there, she puts it on the line. She has that. She will bring an entertaining fight to you, or she will get finished trying to do it. So you know, she's one of those fighters. Very unlucky, like you said, was in line for a title shot against the Bullet. Unfortunately, Valentina got injured. She fought Jennifer Maya. She lost to Jennifer Maya, who then went on to like do a pretty good job against the Bullet. Came up short, but went the distance with her. But uh, coming back to JoJo, I feel a little unlucky last year to not get her title shot. I do feel if she gets to Jessica, she will be next in line for the title shot. I don't see any. Uh, I don't see Jessica finishing this fight in any way. Uh, I I don't see a clear path to victory for her over here. Uh, I I would lean JoJo and I would go JoJo by let's say either KO or TKO. You know, every even uh, Valentina herself thought that JoJo's the probably the next worthy opponent for her, and that's probably because of the style of fighting because it's a quite a high risk. Sort of strategy that JoJo takes on. That's why she's. I think people will judge too much based on her results because she lost her last two fights. She lost to Catlin Chukejans, which was also uh, again. I, I mean, it's a hit and a miss sort of thing, right? Uh, right, right. I, Sorry, I feel yeah, like not... yeah. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if if she gets more into like, I think she'll come better prepared when she. Faces off with Valentina. Of course, if she overcomes Jessica, I, uh, yeah. and I think Ron, the way you mentioned it, the odds perfectly uh, also cover that up with Calderwood being the favorite at negative one twenty as compared to Jessica being a plus hundred. Uh, right. The thing is, again, even if she gets a title fight, let's say JoJo does get the title fight, let's say she does beat Jessica. I, do you see her possessing any sort of challenge against Valentina? The age gap is too much. Valentina's too athletic and too fast. So, do you see yeah. any threat from her? As much as much as I love Joanne Callowood, and I mean, there's nothing to not love about her. She brings it. She has. She she took the Jennifer Maya fight because she didn't. She wanted to stay active. She didn't want to be an inactive fighter. There's so much to love about her. But there's so little that you can do to the bullet at this point, right? I mean, I personally don't, unfortunately, feel that even if she gets passed through Jessica, which I think she most definitely should and will, uh, she doesn't have much to offer. Because, I mean, uh, Joanne's going to keep it stacked. If it goes to the ground, I mean, I think Valentina Shevchenko ends it pretty quickly. And on the feet, the, I'd say on the staying on the feet, is the better option for Joanne Calderwood based on her skill set. Yeah. But based on Valentina's skill set, how do you even stand with the bullet? I mean, she's an elite kickboxer, an elite Muay Thai fighter. You have nothing to go there. It's, it's pretty much and, a first round finish. And there's no way, Ron, that she's going to make it to five rounds with Valentina. There oh. is no way in a title fight. There's no chance. Um, which actually takes me to the next fight now, Ron. I know this fight is quite an underwhelming one and quite anticlimactic for both of us. But yeah. nonetheless, it's in import- It's still a- an important fight. It's in the main card. Yeah. The bulldozer versus the steamroller. Uh, now, Otman Az- Az- Azaitar, he's Moroccan. 
he's the brother of abu azaitar who was uh, is rather a successful middleweight fighter in the ufc uh, the fun fact about uh, azaitar othman azaitar is that he's unbeaten ever since he's joined the ufc actually he's not lost any fights in mixed martial arts uh, professionally and he comes mm-hmm. into this one obviously an overwhelming favorite uh but the steamroller mad frivola is like again there's i don't think he really stands a chance uh up against othman and i mean he's got a good record as well 811 but the odds are completely in the favor of othman at minus 160 uh the tail of the tape is exactly the same they have this they are the same age they have the same height and uh, reach also is the same so um what's interesting about azaitar is he's won 77% of his fights by tko that's why he got his nickname the bulldozer he's finished two fights w- within 4 minutes and uh, that is pretty amazing for anyone for that matter and to be doing it at the ufc level speaks volumes of him so ronit anything on these guys yeah No, not really. I think this is one of those fights where Dana White is trying to throw in two guys who he feels that we should know about. I mean, to be very honest, not been following either of their careers too closely for that matter. But I, I think it's going to be a good fight. I mean, he's putting them up on the main card at number four. He definitely probably sees that uh, uh, this is probably going to be an entertaining fight if nothing else. Uh, but yeah, I won't go. too strongly in either direction on this one but yeah i mean if we have to pick let's just go with the favorite <laughs> always go with the moroccan man i don't know moroccan just seems like the better choice here very nice bringing that african heat uh, anyway let's move on to the last fight of the main card this is personally my favorite fight for a lot of reasons uh, so amanda ribas facing off against mariana rodriguez now What's your take on this one, Rod? Yeah. So, um, I mean, to be honest, uh, Amanda Rivas is has become a big star in the last three, three to six months. I don't know when her last exactly when her last fight was, but she took out Paige Van Zandt, made it look pretty effortless for the most part of it. Just took her down, submitted her, armbarred her, and that was the end of the night. She made um, Van Zandt look like an amateur. I remember we were watching it together. <laughs> yeah, it it was, and, and there was like a very significant difference in terms of skill set. Uh, to be fair, both of these ladies, Brazilians, both have a good jujitsu background, but Amanda Ribas is a black belt and is on a different level. I think she's a judo black belt and jujitsu black belt. Marina Rodriguez is Rodriguez is again uh I think she's a purple belt if I'm not wrong and more of a striker from what uh, I've seen in the recent past uh her key to victory will be to try and keep it standing but I I, I don't think she has much of a chance I think uh, Ribas takes her down and submits her so I have Amanda Ribas on this one I have her by submission uh it's going to be a clear um, you know striker versus grappler and uh, Amanda Ribas's grappling is on another level to be very honest and I don't see how Marina Rodriguez really manages to hang in there with her just to put all the things that you said into perspective to back it up Ron Amanda Ribas's finishing is split one third in terms of all her finishes so she's got 33% in knockouts and take uh, total knockouts uh, she's got uh, 
33% with submission and she's got 33% with decisions. So mm-hmm. you're absolutely right with that. And where you mm-hmm. clearly mentioned that Marina depends on her striking. She, yeah. ha- she has 5.82 significant strikes per minute. But uh, Ribas is not far behind. She's at 4.84. Plus, mm-hmm. then you have to contend with all the grappling of Ribas, which is absolutely terrific. Her takedown average is 2.02 per 15 minutes. Uh, but basically, she takes you down and then she's already like controlling the game. So... Absolutely. What's amazing though, Ron, is their defense though. Takedown defense, Marina's is 84%. And I was quite surprised. Of course, we all know that uh, Rebus is also going to be high at 85 because she's generally the one who's winning those grappling uh, battles. But uh, even uh, when it comes to striking, Rebus's defense is 74%. So... It's going to be a very, very long fight for Rodriguez as well, I feel, this time out. Another worrying sign for Marina is that she has never finished a fight, in at mm-hmm. least in the UFC. She's gone the distance in all her fights. I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, Rivas is too strong and as she, she's uh, honestly one of my favorite uh, fighters at the moment. But Ronit, one last take on the main event of them all. Who is going to win? What's your prediction? Which round will it be? And uh, what do you see next for Connor, regardless of the result? Okay. Uh, I'm going to go contrarian on this one. Much, uh, much against my basic instincts. But I feel that this time, I I think Dustin Poirier takes it. And I, I don't think there's much that is to be said in terms of what's next for Kono if he loses the if he loses this one. Um I my the only thing I'm betting against when I'm saying this is that Dustin Boreas might a smart fight. He doesn't get drawn in. He's matured years and in terms of skill set leaps and bounds. He stays put, he gets the finish, he submits Connor McGregor. That's what Oh you're going with a submission. Bold statement, bold statement. Wow. Okay, there you have it, folks. Ronit has given his inputs on UFC 257. Ronit, thank you so much for being a part. Always, it's it's always great to have you. Looking forward to the next big event. And for all those tuning in, please like, share, comment, subscribe. We're on every podcast platform you can think of. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. You can catch the videos over there. And uh, we'll be back soon with uh, another new episode. Till then, take care and tune in to UFC 257 on Sunday, 8.30 a.m. Do not miss it. It's 24th Jan. Thank you.